welcome to the Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler, and I'm your host. In the Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. In this episode of the Artist Appeals podcast, I am so excited to share with you so much knowledge about art licensing today. Our guest today is the owner and CEO of Something to Cherish, a brand that licenses beautiful watercolor work and graces everything from handbags to silk scarves. She's a licensed artist as well as an educator, and she shares her knowledge of the licensing field or industry on her website, artlicensingshow.com, where you can actually meet and connect with manufacturers and agents who are looking to license your artwork online. She also has a Facebook group where she connects people and art licensing experts, and you can get your questions answered by some of the top licensed artists in the field. So I'm very excited today to share with you the knowledge, the experience, and the advice of Cherish Fleeter. Hey, Cherish, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing this morning, Erin? I am excellent. Now tell me, how do you pronounce your last name? So it's Cherish Fleeter, and it rhymes with leader, which was, it's really cool because it's the German word for lilac. Oh, yeah, so it's got a cool history to it. My husband, our last name is actually Hummel. His Benjamin Hummel, he's also an artist, and we have our business together. And his last name means bumblebee. Oh, lilac bumblebee. That's right. So that's kind of our theme. We, we're all about nature. And <laughs> Very cool. I like it. Did I tell you I raise bees? I did not know that about you. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know you and your husband were artists. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit. Let's start with art and talking about your art. So you gave me such a beautiful little tray of a butterfly when we first met. And it's this watercolor butterfly that's I use it as a jewelry tray. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you have all this work. What is your company? What do you create? So when my husband and I started a graphic design and illustration agency years ago, and so we work together on that every day. And as a part of that, he has his own style and I have mm-hmm. mine. <laughs> so of course. We tried to do we tried to work together for a while. We co-illustrated a couple of children's books, but at the end of the day. <laughs> so my, my oh, they're um, they're too weird and too they just don't work together. There's two well, styles. We just have, you know, two very strong visionary artists that are working together. It, at some point we're gonna diverge from <laughs> one another. So we decided to go ahead and embrace that. So my artist brand is called Something to Cherish. And Mm -hmm. that is all about really cherishing life and understanding that every moment is a gift. And my goal with that is to use my artwork, like this butterfly that you're talking about, to inspire and encourage. Mostly women um, are the ones that um, respond to my art, but Mm -hmm. just to help them understand how they can embrace their divinely cherished life, body, mind, soul, and spirit. Mm, Wonderful. And was there a piece of art or concept that kind of became the foundation for this brand? Something to cherish? Like, how did you come up with the name? Something to cherish? I mean, besides the fact that it's your first name. (laughs) Yeah, well, my um, long, long story, where do I begin? So I, and I, this is going to, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about kind of like, what has led me to come to this point, you know, if there was a crisis or whatever. I yeah. actually started doing art and creating products as a small child. That was just in my nature. I love making things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, having my own little gift shop that I could share with my 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 family and you know, <laughs> when I was really little. So kind of like the lemonade course, stand. Yeah. Instead of a lemonade stand, I had a gift shop, you know, full service <laughs> wrapping, you know, everything. Oh, so nice. that was my childhood and my parents were both, they both have artistic souls. So they encouraged me. And so, you know, going into high school and college, it was pretty much a natural fit that I would continue into the art. And that's my um, degree. I have a triple major in illustration, fine art and graphic design with a minor in leadership and emphasis in French and biblical studies. So, oh my goodness, how long did that take? 
<laughs> I actually did that in four years. Oh, wow. Way to go, girl. Did, yeah, it was a combination effort between, you know, probably four different universities and, and uh-huh. a lot of wonderful mentors. I'm just so grateful. And every, you know, I, you talk a lot about, you know, the, the process of an artist developing their voice. And, yeah. you know, every class that I took in college really helped me to to learn about different parts of my creative soul, whether it was jewelry, jewelry making or printmaking or watercolor or sculpture, you know, mm-hmm. all every kind of you know, photography, every kind of medium. Definitely love graph design. And I, I love the idea of telling a story with my artwork. And so, you know, combining the visual graphics, the technology, of course, all together, it all led to me, you know, pursuing this uh, after, you know, through college. And when I graduated, it was 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I graduated right then, too, right out of grad school. Oh, my gosh. So you can you can remember there were I not didn't. a lot of wonderful opportunities like like there are now um, because people were kind of cutting back and like, is this really important? Like, what's the meaning of life? Like, here I am making this little border with this little daisy. Like, is this really mean anything to the world? <laughs> <laughs> there are, yeah. you know, there, there are bigger the towers things. have fallen. Yeah, it was just, it was a huge wake-up call to... Broody. Yeah, it was a really difficult time. And so, and that's when I launched my career as a free, you know, so I started freelance, freelancing around um, my area. And I was really fortunate within that first year to be asked to come on staff for a fashion apparel company who oh. that was owned by um, Clint Eastwood, of all people. What? And I'm in, I'm in Colorado, so that was not okay. something on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> at all fashion or movies or anything like that I you know I've always been an art geek you know so yeah. that's been you know my thing so but it was a beautiful opportunity to use my skills in creating illustrations and surface pattern design I got to learn the ins and outs of the licensing world as well as working with celebrities right. and all kinds of fun promotional concerts we would put on Super Bowl ads being I'm able to sorry. kind of oversee and work <laughs> sure. out. I was just, it was fun. Yeah. Cherish, how does, I can't picture your style because your style is watercolor <laughs> and bright and colorful with Clint Eastwood. Like, what? Well, and that, that's, I so just that's think- kind of where, yeah. So during that whole time, I, I loved what I did. And, and, and you're right. That's where I, my heartstrings were pulling in different direction. And, and so because obviously I'm an overachiever, you can already tell <laughs> by my degree <laughs> path. So I was I was moonlighting the whole time, working okay. in the publishing world, you mm-hmm. know, designing. Uh, we were illustrating for children's books, designing books. We won a lot of awards for independent authors and publishers we worked with. And that really one thing led to another. Cool. And then I really got into branding and website des- development and all this. This is right when Facebook was invented and all, you know, Twitter and yeah. LinkedIn. So it was just the new age here. That was yeah. all happening. And I was mentioning I am over have been an overachiever my whole career. So I was already moonlighting and doing children's books and you know working with publishers and we had been winning a lot of awards with with all of that. So that part of my business was growing pretty strongly. And I had, you know, I had this intense desire to make my own artwork for, you know, and I think any artist can probably relate to that. Yeah. So I I just decided it was time and um it was a big decision. And, you know, I think the biggest thing a lot of people, but they let it hold them back is the idea of health insurance and that security. And, Mm. you know, as as the world is changing, things that used to be secure really aren't anymore. And so we have to reframe how we look at these things. So, yeah. Yeah. So I took the leap and um, you asked where the name came from. So, of course, my my mother and my grandmother were probably the most worried for me (laughs) of anybody. (laughs) And they were you know, they got the, uh, they, they were the ones that helped name me as well. So they called me one day after I quit my job and they knew I was going to, I had already signed up for a licensing trade show and uh-huh. I hadn't figured out what my style was going to be exactly. I had been experimenting on a lot of different things at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, but I just needed time to paint. I just needed time in the studio. And so they called me one morning and they're like, they came up with the name Something to Cherish. And I thought, oh, that's so sweet. I'm sure somebody has it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sure enough, I looked it up on the trademark registry and 
somebody did have it back in the 80s and they let it drop. And so anyway, I was able to pick it up and go on forward with that and got the wow. trademark. That's yeah. brilliant. So you did register as a trademark. Yes, I did. Because I wanted Smart. I wanted to protect and, and something that I really believe strongly in is is artists protecting their intellectual property. So if it's the mm. copyright trademarks, because that's really what we have that is a huge value, other than our originality and creativity. Um, the the exclusivity that we can offer through our artwork is a huge benefit to companies that we work with. Right. And so let's actually hit on that just a little bit here. Copyright is protecting the visuals, right? How something looks, but trademark. You want to talk just a little bit about what the difference is? Trademark is going to protect more of the name of something, or Mm -hmm. it can also protect some, it can protect visuals in in a way, but it's a little bit different. It's more of an iconic type of protection. And it's also, it's much more expensive to, to get this uh, protection. And it's something that you also have to defend. So it's also, mm. on, uh, so it's an extra layer of diligence that you're signing up for as well when you go ahead and get a trademark. So I think it's important if you want to establish a new brand, which is what my goal has been, is yeah. to actually get that, that brand trademarked. Right. And you just go... I know you can copyright things fairly easily yourself. You don't need an attorney to copyright something. You just go to the government website. I think it's what? Copyright.gov or something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But trademark, do you need an attorney to do that or can you do it yourself or? I would highly recommend working with an attorney. So trademark, you, you can do it yourself, but the problem is you are not able to see a full registry search to Mm -hmm. the limit that a trademark attorney can help you with. They have access to a lot more information than we do. Um, so you want to make sure it's clear, cleared for you, you know, across the board before you start investing money into it, because you don't want somebody coming back later mm-hmm. and, you know, you accidentally stepped on their toes and there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so. so there's two things you really have to have. You've got to have the trademark and you got to get the domain name, right? Yes. I haven't mentioned yet, but I went on to work with Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design and was asked to teach their, mm-hmm. their website class, which became their marketing class. And I've been I'm developing and teaching that curriculum for over 10 years. And one thing I always teach my students is, you know, the first thing you want to do is is obviously do your due diligence to make sure that name is is clear with mm-hmm. you know, as much search as you can do on your own USPTO.gov and and uh, things like that. But also, yes, like what you said, see if the domain is available. Now mm-hmm. there's a lot of different domains. So you have yeah, to... Yeah, the different domain endings. You've got yeah. .com, .org, .edu, .gov, yeah. .us, dot You can even photo. get .art, dot .art, dot .studio. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of different domain endings now. So if, you, if you're not familiar with those, go ahead and, you know, double check, make sure that's... Um, that there might be something you might want to secure because... You know, again, you don't want somebody else to, you know, to build, you know, a little empire on that domain if it's yeah. going to impact your business in any way. So, yeah. And domains aren't expensive. No, it's They're not like expensive. 10 bucks a year. The fancier ones can get, you know, 25, 50 and up a year. Mm-hmm. It, it does get more expensive, but you are also getting something a lot more special and exclusive. So, right. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunities, but also, and then going back to social media, you want to make sure you can get the, the handles of the Mm. social media. Yeah. So you got to get the trademark, the domain name, the social media. Now, I don't know if you do this, but I'm a domain name junkie. When I find Mm -hmm. a good one, I buy Mm -hmm. it and then I'll buy variants of it, like the plural. So I connect crafts and the totem poppets. I own totem poppets and totem puppets and totem poppet. Um, And that's just so that somebody can't build some nasty website parallel to ours so that you don't have somebody, you know, search your website and find out that it's a porn site. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, we've had some Chinese site takeovers and stuff. It's been really, I've seen it all. I mean, it's just really crazy, but yeah, that's a really great, we've had, we had that happen. I was sitting in a meeting with the client. This was with an old, old, another company, but I you yeah. know, mentioned the name of the company. They typed it in and it had an S at the end, but they didn't hear the S. And I took Uh-oh. them to some site over in Asia. And I'm just like, oh, dear. No, that's not our website. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that you always want to say to your students or your audience, you know, is 
make sure it's something that's easy to hear as well as to visually see, say, remember, because that's a huge piece of this in the internet that we live in. So Yeah, and you got to look at the domain name too. I'll never forget the story of there are some bad domain names that like you put two words together and you don't think about it like Penn Island. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you yeah you do yeah that do your and do that with hashtags and keywords as well. You always yeah. want to make sure that you're looking that up before you use them on your on your actual post. Make sure you know what you're associating <laughs> yourself with. Yeah, just yeah. a little tip there. So you've got this this trademark now, something to cherish, and you've decided to start this business, and now you make products through mm-hmm. this business, like. And you do licensing and all these different things. So let's talk about that. Like, how do you transition from design services and making art into making products that you can sell so that you have revenue stream coming in? When I was working in-house, my husband and I had started a little company called Painting for Life. And we started playing with this on a small scale. We were asked to do a fine art gallery show. And, you know, the minute you start showing your, you know, you know, original oil paintings that we were doing more of a Rockwellian nostalgic style back then, mm-hmm. people wanted prints. It was just like a, a natural trend, you know, natural next step. And so yeah. people started asking for prints. And so we worked with a local printer that was able to help us do high quality fine art gicle prints. Mm-hmm. And then we also did, we also decided to expand into doing a greeting card line and journals and a few other different products. You know, we, 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 we pretty much ex- experimented with everything. And this, again, this is about when the print-on-demand wave kind of really started before it even hit the internet. It was mm-hmm. still kind of happening um, with the, the new technology, the dye sublimation. So we were able to really try to, you know, and see what does this artwork look like on a mug or on a water bottle mm. or a coaster, you know, all kinds of different products. And so and like I said, my my heart has always been to, to make things in product design. So it was really kind of fun doing that. Right. So natural transition or expansion right. from prints. That's the easiest to get into because you can just print them off your printers now. I mean, you've got these good printers with pigment inks and you can start there. But now we've got all sorts of stuff. This is the golden age. And, you know, anybody who's complaining is you know, the only thing they're they should be complaining about is having too many choices and the overwhelm right. that comes with that because there is so much opportunity out there for getting your art on products and and doing it yourself. You know, so the different avenues, obviously, like we we're talking about making it ourselves, and that was direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. We also did a lot of custom work for you know larger corporations, and you know, obviously, we're doing but we're doing it through product. We're selling them products, mm-hmm. so it wasn't a wholesale model. That's also a model that you can definitely do. And that's something that I'm, I'm stepping into the next phase. Mm-hmm. And then also, of course, licensing. And the important thing for artists to realize, no matter what you're doing with your artwork, is you need to maintain control of your copyright. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the pivotal piece of this. And so when you're creating something, you need to also think about how can I leverage this and use this on in multiple different areas multiple, with multiple different companies. The idea of licensing is you can take your bundle of rights that comes with a copyright that you get naturally when you make it, mm-hmm. the original artwork here in America. That artwork can be then licensed out or rented out to different companies. So say like three years, you can take this you know, picture of this teddy bear and you can put it on a greeting card for this one particular company. But then you can take that same teddy bear and you can put it on pillow mm-hmm. with a different company. Right. And then after three years, that rights return back to you and you could partner with a new company for, right. for those products or make them yourselves or or extend the license. So there's, mm-hmm. but the important thing is you're building a whole treasury of your copyrights. And, and in order to truly protect that, of course, you want to register with the copyright office. And that's mm-hmm. what we had just talked about. So that way, it's not only a level of protection, but it's a level of protection in the case where somebody infringes on you. That's really where it's kind of like insurance for your artwork. <laughs> I think you really said something really important, and I just want to reiterate it, is that the I think the secret sauce, the ticket to having a sustainable career in the arts, to making money in the arts, is having all those different things, is having prints of your work that you can sell as well as 
product that has your artwork on it that may be retail, as well as maybe wholesale to stores, as well as licensing. If you can create all of those different revenue mm-hmm. streams, then you've got a real income coming in. Exactly. And things things are going to bump up or down depending on how the economy goes. So it's mm-hmm. really good to diversify. I yeah. highly recommend it. I mean, even if even if one area is just skyrocketing one year, keep doing the other things because things can shift so quickly in our modern day yeah. that you don't want to be left wondering, okay, what, <laughs> you know, where your next meal is coming from. I mean, that's just right. not what, that's not a way to run a business. So the other yeah. thing uh, to add to that list is, is custom work. So com- a lot of artists mm. do com- yes. commissions commissions and special projects. And, and really that's where a lot of these, you know, art, design agencies, that's where they're making the bigger paychecks is you're working specifically with a company on a specific project and you're able to give them something that's exclusive to just what they need. And that's what is, that's what is something special that only you can offer in that that particular way. So that makes it to where you're, you're competing with less people on the same path, if that makes sense. Yeah. And actually I would suggest that there's one more revenue stream that every artist should consider. And that is teaching in some capacity, either, you know, workshops or. Yeah. If you, if people like teaching or there's a lot of artists that are shy, but they, they do things online or they do different kinds of digital downloads with, or eBooks. There's all kinds of ways to share your information these days and, and make a living sharing that. So that's, yeah, that's a really great thing to add to the list. Right. So we've got prints, retail, wholesale, licensing. Wait, what was the last one you just said? <laughs> Custom, commission work. Oh, yeah, commission. And then teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that's actually one, two, three, four, five, six. Now, you don't have to build all these at the exact same time because then you would be overwhelmed. But I think if you want to have a long-term career, you've got to put all these things in play. Right. And, and really... The secret to making any of this happening is really connecting with your customer base. So figuring out, you know, we talk about who your target market is, like who is it is that's actually buying this? Are you like some of the, we do a lot of specialized projects for universities mm. or different health organizations. Yeah. And so we're doing, my husband and I do 3D chalk art. And so we, this is, this is another, this is another revenue. 3D chalk art. Yeah. Our huh? website is peopleofthechalk.com. But that's one of his his passions. He loves cool. drawing and painting in 3D. Interesting. But, and it's an entertainment thing. But this is a special event that we are doing with an organization that really brings, you know, another layer of interest to something that they're doing. And it's with the age of social media, everyone loves to have their picture taken with it in 3D, post it yeah. online, hashtag, promote, promote, you know, so it's great right. for the company. We Very work cool. with, and there's, there's artists that do this um, with with the teaching, and or maybe they do like a mural or interactive type of workshops where where they get. Pe- I've also done workshops um, with my art, working with um, people with with watercolor. I call it wellness and watercolor, and work mm. that work with them through working through stress, working through the different. I have a nine areas of wellness that I teach, and so oh. there's different ways to kind of unlock you know, new ways of thinking about things and using yeah. art as basically art therapy, but yeah, bringing yeah. it to people that are e- either in, you know, corporate environments or mm-hmm. you know, are going through, you know, maybe they're in a, in a care facility somewhere, you know, there's yeah. all kinds of different ranges of folks that I've been able to work with or just small groups and friends. Yeah. You know, there's so many possibilities for that. Well, you know, Cherish, this is really interesting because we talked earlier offline about ENSO and Circle painting is meditation. And I actually am working on a course in art with meditation. And this comes up over and over again um, in one of our podcasts with Jen Zen, Jen Gray. She's uh, the author of the Zentangle series. And Uh she talks about using Zentangling for meditation. Mm. And she's approached and gotten Zentangling into like some of the prison and penal systems as a method for like people with anger management and so forth and so on to find some peace and tranquility through art. So, and we talked about it in the context of flow, how Mm. art can really take you into that flow state. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's so so powerful. I mean, I think if artists can create a program 
where they can use their artwork and somehow engage the community. I mean, yeah. you're just out there in a new level, whether you're teaching kids how to p- draw caricatures or like I said, we do 3D chalk art. So we have workshops where we teach high school students how, how to you know work with pitch pastel on, on asphalt and, <laughs> and how, how that all works. And you know, whatever it is, we've done, we've done a lot of work over the years with our, our local rec centers and homeschool groups. And it's just, oh yeah, it's, just really, it's really fun. But, you know, again, but getting back to who, who is your community? Who are you trying to connect with, with your artwork? Obviously everyone go, go, or he goes to like, okay, online where you have all this social media and, and I, I love online. I do a ton. I'm a huge uh, online junkie yeah. as far as that goes. We um, also don't want to neglect the actual physical community around us. So Yes. Um, but kind of thinking like, who are these people? If they're, you know, if, if we're talking direct to consumer, we we are literally connecting with that that person who's going to be wearing that art on that T-shirt or hanging that print in their or their home. So what is what's mm-hmm. that connection look like? What's that story look like? And then when it comes to you know more B two B, you really need to understand which kind of companies would be able to use your artwork. And I, I right. love licensing. And one on one hand, you can create anything you want, and it's very important that you do that in your own unique style and voice, yep. because nobody's going to want to license it if it looks like somebody else's. It has to be unique to you. However, at the same time, you have to be aware of what's going on in the marketplace and uh, make sure there's that there's some overlap. Okay, there's going to be a lot of things the marketplace wants that you know maybe it's not your thing to paint leopards, <laughs> leopards, <you know. laughs> leopards and llamas. Yeah, or for fairies or whatever the thing is the for the month. But yeah. basically, if there's Sloth. if there's any overlap at all, yeah, there's so <laughs> or the no the new garden gnomes are hot right now for Christmas and every other holiday. Right, <laughs> right. Well, you know, and that takes a lot of work to keep up with those trends. But I think if you know what you're presenting, if you you know do your exercises and you create collections that are cohesive and you kind of push your own style forward mm-hmm. through making a rule, I think you can really find your own style, find your own voice. Yeah. You, and, and then you imperative. have to, yeah. yeah. And then you have to educate your audience to the benefits of your work and, and tell the story. Absolutely. But you also, when you're connecting with your audience, yeah. like listen to them and, and really like, I, I love, even though I work, I've done a lot of work, you know, corporate on, on the back end side. And it's just a matter of, a bunch of people guessing what people are going to want. But at the end of the day, I love doing art festivals and any kind of local pop-up. Sh- I do a lot of pop-up shops throughout the years because yeah. I want the customers, I want to see their eyes light up or I want to see them pass over something. It's Either way, it's yeah. really important because you're learning how they're responding to your particular unique art style. And then that yeah. tells you, okay, they like this. Let's make more of that. And and then see how that goes. And and of course, I we always joke. It's always different. Every every event you do, you're going to have a different response. I mean, mm-hmm. some days it's going to be this, or some days it's going to be that. But but just taking notes, it, you want to be a student of of your of your customer. And it's not all about necessarily giving them what they want because they don't know what they want. If they knew mm-hmm. what they want, they wouldn't be talking to you. They just would go buy it. They can Google mm-hmm. it and get it. Yeah, so it's a, it's a je ne sais quoi <laughs> that you're trying <laughs> to have this little bit of a dance and. And there's, there's, there's this overlap, there's this allure of this, the artists and their process and the, the again, the stories yeah. that, that really draws them in. I love the way you're linking presentation with education and mm-hmm. story and the way they're going back and forth. So you're using the presentation of the work to educate yourself as to what more stories you might be able to tell about your work and then also back and forth. It's been my goal with all these interviews, all the research I've been doing, my whole academic career, to figure out how to make money with your art. And I imagine that that's probably what you're trying to do too, right? We all want to do something that we love for a living. Yeah? Totally. Who wouldn't? Who wants a dead-end job? So, After all this research and all these interviews, I've discovered four secrets, the four top secrets to making money with your art. And now I have a 12-page report outlining the four top secrets to making money with your art. You can download this guide for free at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. That's right. I got that domain name. So just head on over to 
howtomakemoneywithyourart.com, all spelled out, no numbers, and get your free report on how to make money with your art. You know, we talk about in the appeals process, we talk about art, we talk about product, we talked about presentation, but then you just mentioned pop-up shops. Do you have any tips or tricks? You said you do a lot of these um, to setting up really fast or, or tearing down or anything like that, <laughs> because I know how much yeah. work it is to present at any yeah. sort of venue, whether it be pop-up or craft fairs or fine art galleries or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you got any tips or tricks there? Yes. The first one you do is always going to be the hardest and maybe the few, first few um, because they're, either, they're all going to have their own, you know, new ropes here to learn. But once you get a, it's a system at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here's my, I have a checklist that I keep with my, yes, I, have yes. a little, I have a box with a checklist and it's like, okay, what goes in here? You know, you need to make sure you have a way to accept credit cards. Make sure that's ch- the charger for that is, is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Make sure the app is updated. Test, test the credit card. The signs, the the price, the you know, the even just putting the prices on everything. Make sure everything is up to date. Make sure that's up to date with your system that you're mm-hmm. using. Except credit card, like so. There's a whole like little checklist that I use. Obviously, the inventory. I mean, however you're you're creating your artwork or your products, make sure that that is freshly updated. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. That's fun to to actually share. A lot of people love to share the the, the process of doing this on you know Instagram or Facebook. Oh yeah, behind the scenes because. You know, it gets people engaged. Like, so when I'm like steaming in the back room, whatever my, you know, my fabric, <laughs> I'm doing the, if I'm doing pillows or aprons <laughs> or scarves, you know, like just those behind the scenes things are fun, but they also, and they also get people excited. So right. obviously marketing is a huge thing, just dropping little reminders. One, one thing we always got a lot of compliments over the years is, you know, how many people would come to our, our events, you know, especially in a, where there's, you know, say there's a lot of different artists at the same mm-hmm. event and the artist will always ask us at the end, like, well, why, you know, I noticed you had a lot of people come to your booth. <laughs> right. That's a compliment. If you're waiting for the show organizers or the event organizers to do all your marketing, you're going to be waiting forever. Like you uh, are the, your best advocate for your artwork. Nobody yeah. else is going to do. And, and it's important. They're going to invite people to the whole event, but you've got to invite people to your your section, your table, your yeah. booth, whatever it is. Yeah. And so that's your responsibility. It's your relationships with these people. But that's what's so cool is like these people show up, you have these relationships that have built over the years. I mean, we've done two really huge things in our business that I recommend anybody do is well, go ahead on. and make sure you have an email list. Mm-hmm. You have to have an email list with your customers. We've stuck, I still get opportunities from people I don't even remember. <laughs> They're on my email list. And then all of a sudden they're giving me a call and I'm, and they're opening up new doors for me and our company and our, our community because they're still hanging out on that email list, checking out what we're doing over the years. And so make sure you're continuing, uh, you know, keeping your email list updated, even if it's only quarterly, mm-hmm. at least that. So you do an email newsletter at least quarterly. So every three months. I would say at least quarterly, but um, we'll, we'll send more updates. Like I only do it as needed. I don't like to send irrelevant updates. I know mm. like if people want to yeah. see whatever, they can go on to my blog or my Facebook or what my Instagram. Right. But I try to make it, these connections meaningful, I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Relevant. And then the other oh, yeah, but I don't want to I don't want to bombard somebody. But around an event I might send up more reminders and and, and then you know you want to segment your list. So look at like I'm in Colorado. So I'm not going to bother my friends in New York and Oregon about what I'm doing down the street in Colorado. I try to segment the list and their software. Oh, good. So you you segment by region. I try. I mean, it's it's tricky because sometimes people sign up and you have no idea where they're coming from. But um, yeah, I I do try. And um, there's there's so many there's so many email plugins and software pieces you can use to do that. Oh my gosh, yes. What do you use? I use a, I, I use a ton of different software for different things. Um, I use Shopify for my my store, so it's easy mm-hmm. to, to to target people by you know if, if they purchase for me, I sent them something, so I know where they live, right? <laughs> or I know where somebody you know maybe somebody that received a gift from them, uh-huh. but, so I can target people that way. Um, and then Mailchimp is wonderful because you can do a free account. So a lot of yep. a lot of my students and up to like two thousand people, I think, is free. 
And by the time you have 2,000 people in your on your list, that's a business and you, you probably can um, pay a little bit <laughs> to make that keep going. Yeah. But it's actually, I think their paid version has more segmentation uh, possibilities. Does. I would highly recommend checking that out. Those two are very easy to use. I've used a lot of other ones, probably used two, 10 different ones before that um, that I kind of passed over to for, in favor of these guys. But it's just trial and error. You know, figure out something that works for you. If you, if you yeah. are hooked in on another system, like that's awesome. There's pl- there are plugins and apps, developers that can help you in what you need, even if it's not off the shelf. So, yeah. you know, you have to make it work. I've heard a lot of really good things about Shopify. And even I've known um, Jean of Charmed, I'm sure, Studios. She just uses Etsy and they now provide printing labels. So when somebody purchases awesome. an order, like you just print it out on your computer, smack it on the box and away you go. So they've really yep. got things streamlined. Yeah, Shop, Shopify has that as well. And yeah. um, you just hit, you just they automatically just take it, you know, they just put it on your books. It's it's super seamless. Excellent. And there are other there are other plugins for different shipping. There's a lot of new innovation going on in the shipping world to try to mm. compete with Amazon. So keep your eyes mm-hmm. peeled. But there's some different ones that you can plug in and get some, you know, get some more competitive rates than what's off the shelf. So definitely search around if you're doing a lot of shipping. Yeah. It's funny. We just covered automate and amplify (laughs) without even discussing it. Just segmented, really transition. Do you work on like, uh, we were talking earlier that you're a Mac person like me, a Mac girl. Do you Mm -hmm. use any apps on your phone that you love to help you keep up with social media? You said you're a big social media geek. Yeah, I have like over 200 apps on my phone right now. Oh, what? Okay. How do you organize them? I put them in folders. I have them in in folders by um and that each folder has the name of the purpose of the yeah. actual the yeah apps. that's what i do and too I do, I do try to go through and weed out what i'm not using but i mean for you'd that's have to be more I specific i mean obviously all the the programs we just talked about have apps so that helps oh yeah shopify has an app and mailchimp has yeah, an they, app they actually have a couple apps so so you can you know swipe credit cards and, and update things yeah all of them have everybody has an app so <laughs> I can't even like one of my favorite apps I have to share. It's called Notion, N-O-T-I-O-N. Okay. If you're familiar with, I also use Evernote. Oh, I and use Evernote. Oh, Evernote. so, so much. It's kind of like an Evernote, but it is, you can organize your your notes into tiers, into subfolders, into subpages. So Ooh. you can you can literally design, you can actually mirror your brain on this app. I just oh, I'm going to it. download it right now. <laughs> yeah. If you're in education, um, it's free for anybody, um, students and teachers. So um, de- you'll definitely want to check that out uh, if you're a student at yeah. university. Because, it, I mean, I absolutely have been using it for everything, for just anything from a simple checklist to, I mean, organizing my art. And I can put pictures into spreadsheets. And oh, really? I can marketing. You can organize yeah. your art mm-hmm. with it? How do you do that? Yeah. It creates like, so it's like a database. So, you know, if you can imagine like an Excel document and yeah. Airtable kind of does something like this. A lot of people switched over to Airtable and I, I've, I use that as well for certain projects, but you can actually put a picture in a, in a cell. But the cool mm. thing, and Airtable does this as well. This app will let you also see that as a gallery view, mm. but Notion has more or more ways to actually disseminate and move around that information mm-hmm. and also put like I can put a sub you know I have a sub page on on that piece of artwork and drill down and I mean I can have as nice here layered and nested for as long as I want to go I like that you know, I have everything in here. like I also use it for my marketing calendar um, I use it for keeping track of of just information you know information you find on the internet articles yeah. Um, being able to file those into and Evernote does this too. I do. I use it a little bit differently. Evernote, Evernote kind of goes into this huge. It's like its own database. Yeah. Um, but it it sometimes is so big and so the search is so powerful. It's, it makes it hard to find what I need because I've been oh, using it forever. Yeah, I've got a couple thousand notes in there, and you can organize them by notebook and you can tag them, but that takes time to do. I'm going to totally check out this Notion app. Yeah. That sounds really cool because, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, you know, one thing that we we um, were talking about and you hit on just a little bit here, but I want to touch on a little bit more is 
how to organize your art. So when you're getting into licensing and you have all these Mm -hmm. designs and you have all this work that you're trying to organize and you're trying to monetize across these different platforms as, you know, prints and retail and wholesale and products and on pillows and this Mm -hmm. and that and the other thing, Mm -hmm. how do you keep track of that? We talked with Patty, who's another wonderful, wonderful lady. She's um, in this season as well. And she has a company where they literally, literally have thousands of pieces of artwork Mm -hmm. that they're tracking and licensing and manufacturing Mm -hmm. on products. Mm -hmm. Yes. Got any tips or tricks there? This has been my new favorite app for that. So I have, um, I call it my master art database. Okay. And I, I give each piece a number or a name. And so like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like an internal code. Sometimes people will use it on the contracts and sometimes they make up their own codes and then that's fun too. But you need a way, <laughs> you need a way for yourself to know what is being licensed on what. And, right. and I do, once you assign it, put it on the back of the original piece of artwork and, you know, so. Because, you know, what will happen a lot, it'll, you know, like I'll do a a blue, you know, ink waterfall. Okay, that's great. The client wants it green. And then it turns into a green marble, what, forest. (laughs) And then it becomes, so you can't rely on naming. Right. And don't ever name a file file final. I mean, that's like the kiss of death. Right. It'll never be the final anything. So don't even think about it. But, you know, I do a lot of watercolor florals. And Uh it's like, okay, what am I going to call this next one? And so I use a lot of abstract thinking with, with the way I name it. But at the end of the day, if I can just give it a number, um, that's a lot better. And then I can organize that in, a, in the database by collection. And so, you know, then on this app, and you can tag it and say, okay, which collection did it actually end up in? <laughs> it may end up in a different one than you intended. Wait, wait. So do you give your collection like a name and then like a three or four digit number? So it might be flowers 0001? So I, I named the individual pieces like, yeah. So an example is like, like I just go by the, the year. So it's like C, so then it'd be like, well, it's 2020. So I would do two zero for 20. And then, uh-huh. then I would just do a one, you know, two uh-huh. or three or four. And then within a series, like I, I'll have, like I had some birds that I did. And then we, we did, we were asked to add a few more extra ones in and then change the colors. Well, how do you name those? So I, I just do well like dash one dash two, you know. So mm-hmm. so that way it, it can still fit in line with the 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 um the system. But um and then in my spreadsheet I say whether or not it was a high res scan, you know where the file is located. Um, I can give it keywords, mm-hmm. date painted. If I've assigned it, an, a, a, I do a certificate of originality when I if I sell a piece of artwork. Mm-hmm. Medium artist obviously is me, but I also, like I said, my husband. I also he'd be both licensed, so mm-hmm. um, I have to say sometimes we if we have a piece we've done together, we don't really care who gets credit, honestly. But nice. But it's good to know for for you know for right. purposes description what products it goes on. I can also tag any companies that I've licensed it with, and then when I click on the company name. I can see all the licenses that I have with them. And I click on the license. I can see all the images in that license. I, if I wanted for each one, I could have photographs of the actual product shots, the actual finished catalog, any marketing that's been done. Like I could, I could archive it all. you do that all, all in Notions? In Notion I can. That's I can. brilliant. I'm not going to say that I, I do that for everything because that would be like a full-time job. To, but I do it for the, you know, I just, I, I just adopted this about a few months ago. So as mm-hmm. going forward, I'm just starting to do that. And it's been like just even planning a new collection. You know, there's information that, you know, I'm gathering or maybe I get some feedback from whoever I'm working with. You know, all mm-hmm. this has to be organized. And I can use the, the gallery setting on this app to organize the collection and and then also I put a like a little um, progress bar so you know how far along is each piece 10% you know oh, 50% cool. that way I can look at the whole project and I can see okay you know which projects are at which finish point then all the projects that are current can be also tied over to another list like this is what I'm working on today actually what I'm working on and within that project what am I working on specifically <laughs> wow so I love it, it. Tie back to the master database yeah I want a demo I want to see you do this I want to <laughs> see this real time I'm a visual person I, I, we're going to talk about this afterwards I'm going to find some way to like make you send me a video <laughs> of how this whole system works so we'll, we'll basically 
you know, to simplify, you've got to have some rules about how you're going to save and name your artwork. We always used to talk about file naming conventions. And file yeah. naming conventions just means a set of rules that you write down, I'm going to name it like this. Like I know with my photographs, I have, I used to do a lot of multiple exposure photography and photography was my big shtick. And I have, oh, uh, 65,000 photos. Wow. I do computer. too. I have, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. right. And so, you know, you've got to have some kind of system for mm-hmm. organizing them. I think year is a really good way. I also use season. So I, I'll often with my photographs do 2020 mm-hmm. oh, yeah. underscore and then spring and then underscore mm-hmm. the location where those photographs were taken. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, like Bald Eagle State Forest or something if I've gone someplace special because photography is often about a location. And that's, you know, kind of my naming convention. So you just have to make up rules, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever rules, like like the spreadsheet or whatever, you can have it on a on a on a paper notebook, spiral yeah. notebook in your office. It doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah, Please just tack it up on the wall. Don't, don't panic. You can keep this very simple. But if say you you name it the certain file, you know, like I said, C twenty whatever whatever. Make sure you go back and name your file, your actual file. Mm. That you know, the same thing. Because again, when it comes, you know, when it comes to, okay, this art director needs this and I've got to turn it around in, you know, record time, you need to be able to find it. And like I said, mm-hmm. looking by these descriptive words will never help you. But if you can search by these naming conventions, you're yeah. going to love how easy it is to find your files on your computer. Yeah. So now this might be irrational. You said you write it on the back of your piece. I am always scared to write on the back of my piece, especially <laughs> using any sort of like pen because I'm afraid it'll bleed through or turn yellow. Do you just use a pencil? Yeah. yeah, just use a pencil. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. I mean a pencil a pencil mark will be good. I use water I do I'm a watercolorist, so yeah. I'm working on like high quality cotton. So the pencil it does work and I can push as hard or as light as I want. So yeah, yeah. that's not a really an issue. I just yeah. know like with signing photographs. Put your name on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Put, put your, your name. name on there too. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> that's such a good advice. You've got to put your name on your artwork. I don't know how long it took me as a teenager to actually sign my work. But for some yeah. reason, I just thought like, oh, it's not good enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it is. Just sign it. Just just put your name yeah. on it, please. Yeah, you're speaking of presentation, you know, so I, I run an art licensing group online. It's called Art of Licensing. We've been mm-hmm. on online over 10 years. You can find us on um, Facebook, LinkedIn, pretty much any any platform, and then artlicensingshow.com. And so that's the whole point of that pro- platform is to help artists to connect with art directors, to share their work, and create opportunities, right? Market right. their art. Well, what happens a lot of times, you're talking about presentation, is art artists will put their artwork online, on here or wherever, on the internet. And, you know, that's going to get, if if, it, if you're lucky, somebody was going to want to save that and put it on a board and really consider it for a project. If your name is not on that JPEG or, or you know, yeah. whatever you're using, it's heartbreaking to hear. I've heard stories of these very big companies that have fallen in love with these pieces mm-hmm. and they thought, oh, well, we'll try to track down the artist. And, you know, artists are missing out on opportunities by something so simple. But just put your name on it. Um, you know, even something as simple as a website and your name or, mm-hmm. or just whatever. I always tell my students, make sure it's something that you could put in a search engine. So something Googleable, <laughs> Right. And something that people can find you by, even if it's a, a stamp with your logo, make sure when they type in those words into Google, they can find you and you've got to work. That's your responsibility to optimize your website for a search engine optimization to make sure that people are finding SEO. Yeah. Making sure they can find you under those terms. So that's that's the name of the game. Yeah. Just repeat yourself over and over and over again. (laughs) Repeat yourself. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, your watermark doesn't have to be big. Do you believe in watermarks or well, I I uh, definitely have a lot of theories. Obviously, people who are going to lift artwork, they're they're going to be able to take that off anyway. So you're not ever going to protect yourself against the bad guys, but right. you are going to protect yourself. Well, there are lazy bad guys too. They might just go over yours <laughs> if it has if it's too much work. It's true. It's true. 
Um, but, um, you know, it depends on what you're selling. If you're selling, you know, there's a lot of people in my circle, they, they sell rubber stamps on, mm-hmm. on Etsy, for example, or, or coloring pages. Well, yeah. obviously you have to watermark that because that's your, that's what you're selling. And, but I believe more in a, a kind of a brand mark okay. and something small. Like if you're looking, think of, I always think of like a really expensive jewelry company. If they're going to take out a full page advertisement in a fancy magazine, they're not going to blast their their logo all over the the photograph of the diamond ring. It's going to be really sophisticated, place, small, elegantly, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere in the corner probably or in the center. It's it's going to be classy. So kind of think about it that way when you're putting your your name or your brand or your stamp yeah. on something. Keep it classy. It, it shouldn't interfere with the the artwork, but it also shouldn't be uh, totally obscure either. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you because I I've heard of it more of in opportunities. So I don't think it's going to prevent things, but it could bring opportunities. Exactly, exactly. I consider. I tell again. I tell my students every every piece of art, or every image you upload to the internet, it's kind of like putting out a digital postcard to 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 the universe in some way, right? Right. It's going to end up all in all these servers all over. It's going to be stripped of all code. It's going to end up who knows where. But these files are, I mean, they could live, they could live way beyond our lifetimes. If you yeah. think about it, like all the backups of backups, it's in your best interest to make sure your your actual information, at least again, something that's searchable, but your name, a website is actually on it. And my on my website, so something to cherish, I actually designed my logo so I have a version of it that says something to cherish.com mm-hmm. that I can also stamp. So on my my online thing, sometimes I'll stamp that. I try to mix it up. I've got a couple different ones because mm-hmm. I don't want it to be monotonous. Right. Uh, but if I'm doing it like a gallery, like a professional gallery presentation for, for an art director, I have it all, every page, every layout, we do these. Um, I, I try to, we work, we present on iPads these days, <laughs> most yeah. of us. So I have it set to the size of an iPad and I just have it at the bottom. It's the same place on every single, on every single page. And then the artwork can shine and, and it's, it's there. So people who, um, you know, need to be able to reach out or, you know, remember whose it was, they, they can find me. It's no problem. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Very cool. So that leads us into the next section about licensing and contracts, <laughs> you know. So say you get somebody that sees your work and wants to license it or, you know, are there any terms that you would highly recommend or contracts that you have on hand that you just think everybody should have and yes, understand? Yes. You need to educate yourself. This is it's a it's a very it's a very different world. So licensing is typically paid uh it's a royalty based on uh, a percentage of sales. So if it's going to be wholesale, it'll be a percentage of wholesale sales. Mm-hmm. And if it's, if it's direct to consumer, it it should be based on the uh, consumer sales. And that's going to it's going to vary widely depending on, you know, the, the popularity of the art, the artist and the company, the reach of the company and the and definitely the the different um, genres so mm-hmm. green card or fabric or book publish. I mean, everyone kind of has its own range and something mm-hmm. that is there's typical ranges um, yeah. for each thing. Um, so as far as understanding that. I highly recommend this is we call it, it's kind of the Bible of our of our industry. It's the Graphic Artist Guild Handbook. Yep. Everybody needs to have a copy on their desk and it it basically will educate you. It doesn't matter if you if you if you're a licensee or licensor. So licensor is the one with the artwork that would be the, you the creator. But the licensee, it helps them as well so they can understand, especially if they're new, a mm-hmm. new licensee, a new, newer there's a lot of new companies that are popping up, you know, that would be interested in this if they only understood how easy it was. Yeah. So there, there's actually sample contracts in there, and it also breaks down the different terms, uh, and uh, it's, it gives you the, the basic guidelines for what you need. There are other resources out there and more advanced training available, mm-hmm. a lot of online classes. Uh, mm-hmm. You can just easily search that. I highly recommend, um, you know, getting plugged into the community. So again, we have the group on Facebook is really the best place. Right. If you have read the book and you're stuck and you can ask questions anon. I mean, anonymously as uh, don't give me, don't give us specifics of the company. We don't want to know anybody's right. name, but you can, you can ask the question in a way to get guidance. Uh-huh. And there are industry veterans, pretty much all the major industry veterans that I've ever known. They're in our community. And so 
it's just an honor to have them and they'll pop in, you know, depending who's around, you're going to get different feedback, but it's an international community. So, I mean, even if you have questions and you're in Australia or or UK or something, there's people in our group or Italy or India, you know, what a great resource. It it really is. And that's been my, my passion is to really create this community. And that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to help educate people so that way you're not walking into your first deal like completely and give you don't want to be blindsided yeah, and no. you want to elevate the conversation so that people you know aren't taken advantage of and and everybody is is kind of level playing field yeah. art of licensing right artoflicensing.com yeah artoflicensing.com has links to all of our all of our networks yeah. so. and we'll put it down below too so we'll put all these links everything we've talked about with apps and links and websites we'll put down below as well yeah. So, well, that is that is such a great goal. And I, I really, really I'm with you on that. I thank you so much for providing such great resources. You know, I think licensing is a really nice compliment, if you will, to any sort of like products you're doing. I mean, basically, you want mm-hmm. to make your art and then you want mm-hmm. to present it and sell it. But eventually you get to a point where it's so much, you've got to start passing Mm -hmm. some of the responsibilities off. And licensing is a way to do that because supposedly, hopefully the the manufacturer that you're working with is going to produce it for you. They're going to distribute it for you and they might even market it hopefully as well. And then you just Mm -hmm. have to make the art. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's a beautiful thing. I would like to to just share. It's not an overnight type no. of success. This can take years and years and years. And the, yeah. the biggest frustration I see artists face is they they send an email once, they didn't hear back. They sent send it, you know. Oh, they follow twice, up, follow up, follow up. Yeah, and, that and, is key. And we're talking follow up over months, but years. This is a this is we do an annual membership on our website for uh-huh. the portfolio because this is not a something you're going to achieve in one month or Mm. three months or six months. This is going to, this is a career choice. And it's wonderful. Like we were talking about, it can supplement your income. You, it can, it can take this awesome artwork that you're creating for your own lines, for your own community, for whatever, or or you could be creating directly for licensing as well, Mm -hmm. but it can leverage that into new, even more streams of, of income. But it, it is hard work and there's and it's very competitive, you know, yeah. so people need to know what they're getting into. You've got to be persistent. Mm-hmm. You've got to just keep doing it. You've got to be persistent. So mm-hmm. that brings us to S for sales and systems and success. Like, mm-hmm. how do you define success? How do you find success? So how do you define success? That's, that's, that's pretty... <laughs> you know, that's going to be something everybody's going to have to answer on their own. I, and seriously, the, the world tries to, to force feed us like this is what success looks like. If you right. drive this car, you do this or you have to be paying every single bill that comes in with your artwork. No, that's you need to define your own success. That may yes. be putting too much pressure on your this is a little experimental you know, thing that's going on. You know, that's a lot of pressure to put on a little baby right. <laughs> thing going on in your studio, like um, success for me, it's all around community and relationships. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I love it when a piece of artwork or anything that I create that, or any kind of thing that comes together is actually connecting with somebody's heart. Yeah. That, to me, is, that's success. Obviously, you know, making a living is also a piece of success as well. Um, obviously, I want to provide for my family just like yeah. anybody else. Of course. And so that's important. So, you know, I think it's important that everybody defines that success for themselves, though, and don't be pressured by what you see another artist do or another, right. any online marketer. You're just, we're constantly being bombarded. Like, you're not successful, so you need to buy my product. Like, it's a bunch of, it's just a bunch of junk. Just you need to stay focused yeah. on your own path oh, and keep going. great advice. I've seen so many of these online marketers. Oh, I made six figures with my first launch of blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, this mm-hmm. is how you make this much money. There's a lot of numbers being bandied about. And a lot of social mm-hmm. media numbers, too. Likes mm-hmm. and comments yeah. and engagement metrics. But I love what you said about you have to define success for yourself. And I think you can do that in increments. I think you can set little goals to start and go bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. So, you know, maybe a measure of success is the first time you run some prints and sell a couple of prints at a craft show 
that's success. And, and make sure whatever your next goal. Yeah, you're yeah, I mean, whatever you're adopting, make sure it's something that you actually have control over. The thing with licensing that can be really frustrating is that we're we're sending we're sending our our babies, our art, you mm. know, our hearts and souls into the, you know, into these inboxes of all these wonderful companies and hoping you know they'll get back to us. And it can and and again, it takes years to develop those relationships. Mm-hmm. And once once you get going, it it just it's momentum, right? But make sure you're defining success in a way that you have that's empowering to you. So mm. you know, I have control over how many emails I send today. I don't have control over how many people write back to me. Do you understand? Like, I don't, yes. I, I can't set a goal saying I'm going to, I'm going to have, you know, 20 licenses by the end of the year. You can't, that's totally out of your control. All you can control is how much work you're creating and sending out. And are you doing your, your part to, you oh. know, to, Great advice. Very good advice. I love that. I love that. Make the metrics, set yourself goals, but make them things that you have control over. That is so insane. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because we we all need a little bit of that. And and also again, back to the social media, I just want to say don't be, don't be um, you know, don't buy into this fairy tale that just because somebody has a ton of followers, you know, that means they have a successful business. That doesn't mean it's does not it's not a correlation. Yeah. I know a lot of very famous, very, I mean very successful artists in our industry that have very few followers on really on online. Oh yeah. Very, very common. And it, it's not a correlation. You have to understand one is a marketing platform. And your business is your business. That's a totally different thing. And they're not necessarily the same thing. So make sure that you work on your business first. And then, you know, the marketing is wonderful, but it's, it's, it's not it's work. the end all be all. Yeah. It is. It's just, it's more work. Yeah. I think that's great advice because we'd hear a lot about manufacturers looking at social media numbers now as metrics or measurements of who they want to license. Well, they and they do, and they do. But you know, again, like some of these people, like especially the ones that have been around for a while, you know, they're they're more interested in d- did this product sell, right. it, and did it sell through, which means you know the wholesale people buy it, and then did their retail customers did they buy it? Thank so you. That's a term through. that came up in one of the other podcasts, but I love to hear it here again. Is sell through is, and mm-hmm. I think you defined that really well. You sold it to a store wholesale and mm-hmm. did then they were they able to sell it, move it off the shelves to their customers. That's it, it's a it's a thing that they'll ask you about, right? About what's the sell through of this product. Yeah, that's really your your true track record, especially in licensing or even your own products that you sell. Like if you're going to take the time to make a bunch of, you know, print your own books or whatever mm-hmm. it is you're doing, like if it's not selling through, if you're not making that money at the end of the day, um, then, then you don't really have a business. So you've got to get a step mm. back as an artist and realize you are the CEO of your business mm. and, and it's okay. It can be a creative business. We can do business and marketing and creative, wonderful, you know, unique ways, but it's st- the numbers still have to add up. It's, if, it, if it's not creating a profit at the end of the day, you're not, you're not really running a lucrative business, right? Right. So, right. Those are the real numbers I think people need to be thinking about um, more than social media, even more than numbers of emails. Like if you have a thousand like solid, you know, raving fans, you're you're set for life. You know, like Mm -hmm. you can just focus on a small group of people, which that's not a small group of people. But in today's world, it seems small. But if you focus just on just in your mind and if it's even if it's 20 people or 100 people, focus really uh, strongly on what those people need there going to be sharing your work with their friends and that's going to just grow or- organically. Yeah. So just you want to make sure you're helping get them what they want out of, you know, that that artist whatever that dance we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. And that brings us to our last last question, which is do you have any books, blogs, podcasts that you love and recommend and would give as a gift? I mean, it doesn't even have to be art related. You did mention the graphic artist handbook or whatever, but is there anything else that you think? I love resources. If you yeah. can tell, as being a teacher and being, <laughs> I'm always researching. I'm, I'm a learner. Yeah, I love learning. So I am a I'm a sponge. So the best way for me to share resources, I love uh, Facebook for that. So what <laughs> I just finally did this last year is I started. So I we have the Art of Licensing group on Facebook. So mm-hmm. that one's great for 
we, we will continue to share more resources there. So I, I think getting plugged in there is the best way to get your hands on that. Brilliant. Um, and then I created a, a resource, uh, a Facebook group called Something to Cherish. So okay. after my, and it's really, a, it's, it's just, a, <laughs> it's a, it's a peaceful place to come and get away from the rest of the crazy internet or the rest of crazy mm. Facebook and just, we, I mean, I try to post inspirational things, but also resources, a lot of, a lot of, you know, wellness type of uh, resources and, and tools and ways to think about mindset, all these really think, big things that can help us in our lives and our businesses. So that, that is where my community gathers online. A lot of them are artists, creative, some mm-hmm. of the, my favorite mentors and teachers in the world are part of that group and they mm. will chime in. It's a, I am just so blessed to be surrounded by these people. And so definitely I would check that out if you're looking for more resources. Yeah. You guys are invited. On- you're all invited. You're all invited. Yes. We'd love to see you there. So Excellent. Well, Cherish, I want to thank you so much for being on today's podcast. This has been so informative. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I'm passionate about teaching and sharing and seeing other artists succeed in their in their visions and and uh, again, I'm looking forward to having these conversations. So yeah, reach out to me. And we'll Will do. So you guys go check out Art of Licensing right now. Go check out artlicensingshow.com. Join the community, have a conversation, and we'll see you there. Well, that's it for the Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal. And I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something too. You can get more information. You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's theartistappeals.com. Thanks and have a good one.